you just kept telling me how great Spider-Man the video game is. And I just kept saying, like, Caleb, Destiny 2 just came out with a new expansion. I'm very busy. I'm not going to go spend $60 on a video game. Leave me alone. And then I bought it because I'd waited long enough where I felt like enough time had passed. And I just want to cheers to you for being maybe, and I want to put a hard <laughs> asterisk on this, maybe more right than you've ever been about mm. anything. So Thank you. cheers to you. You're wrong about so much. But then you hit a home run like that, maybe even a grand slam, and you totally redeem yourself. This podcast brought to you by Activision. Hey everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm Spencer. And this is the Mix 6, where we have six conversations, drink six beers, rate them on a five-point scale, and occasionally have pre-parties where we talk about things we're going to be at, things we're going to do, and uh, we're just feeling it. We're in our sweatpants. We're, we're home for the night. We're yeah. not going anywhere no. recently. No, it, it's a I'm going somewhere next month. I've, oh. I've lit in a Woodwick <laughs> candle. Uh, I've got, you know, wow. something to binge very, on. Very fall yeah, is very what fall. it is. Where yeah. are you going? I'm going to Patreon. In Los Angeles. Oh, that again? Can yeah. anyone see you there? Are you doing uh, any panels? I mean, I'm not going to. I'm just attending. So you're just going to physically be in Los Angeles? I'm going to be. All right. The- well, there's the announcement. Producer <laughs> Ross will physically be in Los Angeles at one point. Mark it in your calendars, everyone. It, we go, we have to know have this. Me, maybe I can hang out after the con. It, it's a small area, so you'll probably bump into him. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people there. Anyway, we've got a rating system this episode. <laughs> we do. Uh, and against my better judgment, because I had a number of food-based rating systems lined up. I uh, Spoiler alert. What I really wanted to do were Chex Mix pieces, and I wanted to go all in on a couple things that don't, <sighs> I'm not crazy about. No. Here. Right, yeah. You're so. just not allowed to do food anymore. Right. We've yeah. established You this. know what? I'm kind of curious about that, because what the fuck do you call half of those oh yeah no i had that was part of the math i was doing in my head i was like is it a rye fuck crisp? you ross what? no no I we're mean, not there's going down this road and peanuts but like what we financially can't survive going down this road <laughs> yes we yeah, can seems reasonable what's that shredded wheat looking thing but tastes way better see yeah exactly. see, you know what maybe i'll says the man who has a second patreon i do not <laughs> all right some of us need this i'll save it for episode 50 <laughs> thank you um, so anyways, uh, and, and as a callback to both your prescient suggestion regarding Spider-Man the game, uh, and our cheers on this episode, I wanted to talk about, I want to talk about all of Spider-Man, but we've already done that and I wasn't around Yeah, perhaps we can sort of exercise Spider-Man the video game as great as it is from the podcast right. at this point. Yeah, that's exactly yes. right. So, so this will be kind of our, our farewell never to... never exercise destiny from the game, the podcast. Like, why, why you, Spider-Man? One cannot. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> neither can I do an opiate addiction if I had one of those either. Right, I mean, yeah. this is, this is different. It's this is just blood. a good video game, not yeah, a... It's pretty great. A crippling psychological need. Oh, okay. Right. One yeah. of the things that you can do in Spider-Man is you acquire <laughs> an upgrade upgrade gadgets mm-hmm. and like you know so you start with a basic web shooter and then you can turn that web shooter into a variety of different things or you get a trip mine or you get a drone that follows you oh, so this is not unlike our breath of the wild rating system. exactly right. right but it's for spider-man for, but it's for spider-man mm-hmm. so it's a totally different thing mm-hmm. brand new <laughs> i have introduced Evergreen. A, new, a new vocabulary to the mix six podcast um and uh so i wanted to rate and review our beers today based on the gadgets that i've encountered now i'm only about 51 percent of the way through the campaign which doesn't sound like a ton because, like, you know, mathematically that means roughly half the game remains. But 51% is a lot of fucking work mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot going on in Spider-Man. And you have encountered, what, 90% of the game at this point? I mean, you've... you're I, I have only crimes left to do. Wow. I just, I just need to stop crimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm back to like a regular. Wait, day wasn't that the whole game? No. What else? No. Does no. These are the so ran- these things. are the random crimes, oh. not the investigative story. Oh, okay. I can't tell you how many times I stopped just to take a picture of something. Ross. Okay. So, anyways, yeah. so um, we're going to be using gadgets in the Spider-Man video game coming from someone who's only played half the game, which I think gives me a unique, incomprehensive view of all things. Okay? <laughs> unique in that it is largely at least half ignorant. Yeah. Yes. No. One hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, it's true. It, this is not the first rating system I've made out of ignorance. I think we all know that. So. You're, from your words. Uh, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So in number one, this is the one that I found the least use out of. I know you disagree, but you're also farther along in the game. You've seen more value in it. But there's a spider drone, which you can like kind of like kick up and he'll shoot people for you, which yeah. seems to me to be the anti-purpose of Spider-Man. Uh, so I'm not interested in it. I don't use it. I accidentally had it equipped one time and used it, and I don't know what it did. So the spider drone is invaluable in the same way that a beer of a one ranking, maybe something you never revisit. It, it is not flashy even at the best of times, but it does remain practical. And we assume that a level one beer does have alcohol in it. So right. I, I don't disagree. It is therefore beer. But it is more important as the combat gets difficult. Yeah. A number two, so slightly better, but still not something you're looking for, or in this case, not something that you're going to equip when you have all of these other things available to you is the impact web. So you start with the basic web shooter and then the immediate upgrade is the impact web, which is like, what if the web shooter shot a better web? And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the extent of that. Mm -hmm. Not very valuable. Um, That being said, you can still see some use in it. It it slings people to walls better than the standard web shooter. And that is at least more valuable in diminishing their capacity in the fight than the web drone. So that's a have you Have you stuck someone to a moving car yet and then followed them through the city? No. God, it's great. I will be tonight, (laughs) though. It's super great. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Number three. It's the standard web shooter. Like, look, you cannot knock what Spider-Man can originally and naturally do. And the standard web shooter, sure, it's not the flashiest thing in the game, but it gets work done in the course of that video game. Mm -hmm. You can web up big enemies. You can take stuff away from people. You can slow people down. I've been very impressed with just the standard equipment that comes available to you the moment you turn the fucking game on. So good on them. Much like... A three would be like the, well, yeah, this is exactly what I expected. And sometimes it's doing a little more work for me when I've had a little bit more of it. A four. Now we're into the good stuff. I'm really like, I enjoy the electric web. I know this isn't something that you're crazy about, but I just like the idea that I'm shooting this disgusting fluid at someone. Oh, and also it's electric. It's a spider taser. Right. Exactly. A spacer, if yeah, you will. Yeah. I like spacer. Can we? TM that you can't. Yeah, you can't do tater because that just no, sounds like the country. It just seems weird. Right. <laughs> I built this in Arkansas. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I like the electric web. The electric web is also important because there are a lot of missions where you have to turn on turn things on and off that are electrical in nature, and the spider the the, the electric web allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. But a five. This is a beer that has just changed the fucking game for you. Is the web bomb. This thing is fucking great. Group of enemies don't know what you're gonna do. Throw a web bomb and then bam. All of them are webbed. Yep, that's pretty great. It is like I'm not. E- I don't even think I'm fighting people anymore. I'm just swinging around, waiting for my web bomb to reload, and then like web bombing people and waiting till they're all stuck on walls. And that's how I'm winning combat. It is the most pacifist way to be a Spider-Man in the history of Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, I mean, until the difficulty ramps up later. Once you have the web bomb, Spider-Man's basically a dominatrix you didn't ask for everyone's bound and he's just hitting you right yeah. like he's just beating up people that are tied up uh that's real that's really it like uh, there's no other actions he has to complete once the web bobs in that's there. It. i'll give it to you spider-man like, the game yeah dominatrix <laughs> and with that note we're gonna grab some beers and we're gonna put this scale to use on the other side with dissecting our f- 
Spencer. What are you drinking? This is from Dayton Beer Company, and it's the Java Man Cometh. And in a surprise to no one, it's an American-style stout brewed with... Fill in the blank. Um, Coriander. Yeah. Actually, sea yes. salt. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> I like what they've done with the cognitive yeah. dissonance here. Oh, no, it's coffee. I read oh, that damn. wrong. Oh, basic. I, thought, yeah. I was going to say it was made from a programmer who knew the language Java, but that's a little gruesome. That's... That's pretty deep, yeah. is what you've just done. So, Wait, not made by, from? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> the Java man is people? Or wait, what if it's a shredded Java computer language manual? What happened yeah. here? Yeah. I, mean, I feel like I, feel like I stopped. That might be able to ferment. Seconds. I don't think it's got a lot of sugar in it, yeah. but okay. Yeah. okay. You know, I'm going to drink this beer. All right. <laughs> if you guys want to keep going. <laughs> no, it's fine. You yeah. probably should have started a while ago, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's really your fault. Yeah. I mean, it's ours. it's the spooky month, so I'm just thinking, you know, cannib- coffee cannibalism. Oh, my beer God. Beer cannibalism. That is phenomenal. Really? Like... You don't like coffee stuff, and I think you're going to like Did the this. Java Man need to die for this beautiful flavor? The Java Man cameth is how I feel about that beer. <laughs> um, that is one that of the... That does taste very good, despite that, that horrible right. entendre you just made. That is... what. It's a little bubbly for what you'd expect yep. out of coffee beer. It's and a, a it's a little more carbonated. Yeah, it's a way more carbon- yeah, carbonated it than drinks, normal yeah. It drinks light. Yeah, um, it drinks light. Yeah. I got... Yeah. I, that might be a five for me. All right, Ooh. put it up there. I think a that's, web a, bomb. that's a web bomb. That's a web bomb. I am surprised by this beer. Mm. Um, anyways, we're into dissecting our fun. We typically don't pull a lot of questions from this segment, but sometimes someone, in this case James D. Burns, asks such a topical dissecting our fun question that I can't, I can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, so James asks, Spencer, you have a favorite board game, like Scythe. Do you have a second, or does nothing come close? And then Caleb, same for you. Yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to know that my love for Scythe has really come through effectively. Like I was sure I was sure I was downplaying it. Like maybe people thought like I was like eh, medium on Scythe, but obviously. How do you feel about the Spider-Man video game? People want to know. It's okay. I would say Spider-Man. like top fifty, probably. <laughs> right, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. Scythe is my favorite board game. Covered above. Do I have a second favorite board game? I have to be honest. Um. I do. But the fact that I had to think this long and hard about what it was suggests to me, in reference to James' question, that it actually is a pretty sizable gap between one and two. Um, having said that, I have done some mental math, and I do think that my second favorite board game that I can reasonably confidently say, although I imagine there's probably some argument to be made, I can probably say that Concordia is my, fa- my, my second favorite board it's game. It's a good pick. It is. I need to play it again, but I've played it four or five times now. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and every time I play it, I am amazed at how dynamic it feels, um, at the scoring mechanic, and how quickly the end game can change. And despite all of what feels like some pretty ridiculous scoring additions and aer- you know aerobics that happen at the end of the game, gymnastics maybe, you can build a pretty coherent strategy that thrives in Concordia, which is really what I want to be able to do in most games. Which is why I like Scythe mm-hmm. so much. So I would say it is probably Scythe, a considerable gap just between Scythe and other games. Concordia, then, if I'm being totally honest, Azul is probably third. Oh, Azul is fantastic. And then, and this is largely thanks to you, I think Terraforming Mars is coming up four for me these days. Oh, man, Terraforming Mars is definitely my one spot. I think about that game deeply a lot. I don't even own Terraforming Mars, <laughs> and I think about it deeply a lot. Yeah. Like, in my free time, I think, remember that one time you started with this corporation? With the broken token, to be clear. 100%. Unplayable without it. Doesn't Cannot e- say that. Doesn't enough. exist for me without it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, but, you know, to answer James' questions, honestly, th- there is considerable gap for me. 
Um, and that's just really about Scythe and how much I love Scythe. But I, I do have a what I think is a reasonably clear second place. What about for you? Uh, Terraforming Mars, definitely number one. Right. Um, and it's I've probably played that game more than anything else I own for certain. And I still have games I haven't played yet. So I, I don't I don't think this will be a for all time sort of thing. Sure, that's fair. With the amount of game which we play. Prisoner of the moment. And purchase. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Terraforming Mars is the game I play most often. Um, I don't really mind who I'm playing it with. I can play it with Sarah. I can play it with four people. I can play it one-on-one with somebody else. I'm still psyched to be playing Terraforming Mars. Um, I like I, I like pretty much everything except uh, the Venus one. Like I like the oh, sure. Palace and Palace map. I like I love the uh, Prelude that gets you started faster with yeah, the starting. Really want to try this. Corporations, those are pretty cool. Um, but that's the thing. It really doesn't matter who I'm playing with or how good they are because Terraforming Mars. What I first thought was a bug and that there's not a ton of player interaction is actually the feature because I'm like very much like everybody shut the fuck up. I want to own this game using nothing but plants. Right. Like yeah. uh, I'm just like trying to do achievos for yep. myself while I'm playing Terraforming Mars. Hundred percent. And I'm so into the engine that like the game's over and I like look up and it's been three hours. Right. Like, right. So I'm really into Terraforming Mars. And what I'm learning is that my my former number one game, which was Alchemist, yeah. that I love to play the most, is very much in that vein, too. Like, give me a puzzle I can solve myself, and I can have someone around socially with me as I do it, so I don't feel lonely and weird. And call that a game, and I'm in. Like, uh, I'm, I'm really psyched about it. Yeah. So, um, Alchemist probably fell down to two to me. Uh, though, if I'm being honest, I don't get to play Alchemist enough, so it might even be a three, because Azul is my go-to... God want to learn games pull it off the play azul yep. like and i won't feel bad about it like i won't learn azul just to like teach you how to play azul right like i'll teach you how to play pandemic or ticket to ride or small world or some other beginning um middle game but like if i teach you to play a beginning middle game of azul i'm also psyched because hey i get to play azul right again. exactly like uh so yeah it's it's high up there strong opportunity for, for azul to continue to move up my board I, I would say that of the games i've played in the last year i've played azul the most probably i've played a lot of azul over the last year if we're going to favor it by design it's probably azul because uh, it is oh, yeah it is cleaner than any of the games we've mentioned so far beautiful by, beautiful by and large like and terribly satisfying uh tactile yeah, uh, uh, interactions. Um, here's something, one wrinkle I want to add to this before we move to our next segment. You know, I thought long and hard about, we, we have been effusive about time stories, and just this last weekend, Brandy and I played um, one of the Exit games, which is like time stories in a small box. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, and I really like these. Um, we got like three more we haven't done yet. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really want to, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking for Friendsgiving or something, these are the yeah. kinds of things we need to be doing. Um. But I got to thinking, do I consider these like my favorite games? And the reality is I, I don't think I do. Um, I think that I've developed enough of a game vocabulary to talk about mechanics and play style uh, that I can say this is my favorite game and also that I've had a great gaming experience because I do think that um, Time Stories is like maybe the best or one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. But I don't know that that is necessarily indicative of the game being one of my favorite games, which is just a weird thing. Yeah, and we haven't even tried like Detectives yet or right. what, I, what I've heard, the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games, it's which I heard great. are way better than Detectives in terms of the writing. Yeah, um, And so... Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in there. I haven't really tried it. I think Stuff Fables is moving up the list for me. So I haven't tried it. The it's it's like a cleaner Mice and Mystics, and God damn, the writing is amazing. Mm. Like some mm. fantastic writing. In Love that. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really am a prisoner of the moment on these kind of things. I, uh, yeah, I, 
I am a, a magpie. I have lots of games on my shelves I do not play very often because I am just seeking the newest game. I, I'm um, excited to do beer and review this year, where I imagine we'll talk about board games, and I imagine that list will change again for me in two short months. Yeah, yeah. And I'm okay with that mm-hmm. um, because we get to try a lot of games. So anyways, James, thanks so much for the question. Uh, really appreciate it, and we're going to grab more beer and we'll be right back for Armchair Director. Caleb, what is that beer? I'm going to drink from Wild Ohio Brewing, the Black Cherry Bourbon Gluten-Free Tea Beer. That's a lot of words. It is a lot of so words. So many words. I mean, we've had, we we really need to get used to the number of words. At this point. Yeah. <laughs> Gluten-free and tea. And what am I kind of tea? I was uh, excited to see Black Cherry and Bourbon. Gluten-free tea beer are not thing. Oh, Caleb's face is not good. It's uh, not. Oh, too God. many things. What is it's, happening on the end there? It's still bad. He's... He's going to go back. He's a glutton for punishment. That man. He's a gluten for punishment. Oh, uh, awesome point. Really love that. No. He's not into that. I can't do it. No. No. Nope. I tried. Is that a one? Uh, Look, it's really nice up front. It's like black cherry tea. It's light and effervescent on the tongue. Like, yeah. It feels like something you could drink on the day. But the bourbon is like the aftertaste of a cheap bourbon shot. Mm. And it hits you in the uvula. Like, it is there. working it like a speed bag. It is the... The funk on the back end of that is just so such a disconnect from the front end. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, it's uh, yeah. Like it's I don't even know where why you would do that. Like why not make a black cherry gluten free tea beer and sign me the fuck up? Why do you got to put bourbon in there? Like imagine that you which you you couldn't, but imagine <laughs> that you made a bourbon ice cube and then melted it and then you just gave me the last drop of that. Yeah, it's just such a weird aftertaste to want in that. I mean, they got bourbon barrels. They got, they, they and like, I don't them. even, I don't even think yeah. this is like a travel thing because the front end is pretty yeah. tasty, I but like the back it. end is just like why? So, a, a one out of like confusion, like mm-hmm. you really didn't stick to landing there. That's a, like, that's a spider drum. Yeah. I'll take it. I think that's a reasonable assessment. Yeah. Hey, we're talking armchair director, but rather than listing something, uh, which is typically what we do in our segment about movies. Who would do that? Who the fuck makes <laughs> Bunch lists? of hacks. Sounds like it. We're changing the game. Um, I wanted to talk about this experience we had last week, and now this is the second or third time I've done something like this, I think. So Alamo Drafthouse, mm-hmm. which has fundamentally changed movie going for me. In, yeah, in, in that, that you, I will in that you actually attend a movie. That's yes. exactly right. Yeah, totally new world for me. Did you know they show them on larger screens than your television? So what? Very different experience. Um, they do this thing called a movie party where they will typically play some like vaunted and or favorite and or cult classic film. And then they will add props. They'll bring in guests to talk about these things before the movie. They'll show special trailers about the film beforehand. It'll be a quote along so everybody in the audience can get into it. Just imagine what if we did the the Rocky Horror Picture Show thing, maybe a little less messy, just for a bunch of different movies where people had kind of that same response Mm -hmm. to the film. So like last week, we went to the Ghostbusters movie party, which was very important to me. Movie party aside, being my favorite film, I've never been able to see Ghostbusters in a theater. It's a... a faux cult experience for what is not necessarily a cult film that's a really good way of describing that yeah Yeah, that's exactly what it is right um but as i'm sitting there participating in all this so i I also did the Die Hard one a couple of months ago and it was a lot of fun as well Mm -hmm. um but it struck me when brandy originally pitched me on the idea of a movie party because she and sarah go to these a lot like at least once a month they're going to a movie party Mm -hmm. 
And she would come home and tell me like, oh, yeah, no, it's fun. They give you props. And then you participate in the film as an audience member. And I'm thinking like, absolutely not. Am I doing that? You know what I mean? Like, don't ruin the movie. I don't need some asshole sitting next to me quoting the whole film. Like, if I'm going to go watch Die Hard or Ghostbusters, I want to watch Die Hard or Ghostbusters. And yet both times now that I've been at these things with Die Hard, you were allowed to shoot off cap guns and light a lighter. You, I, you were more into it than anyone around us almost. I get super fucking into it, man. Like throwing the library card and whipping that proton pack around. Uh, they gave us a scratch and sniff, one of which the options wish was burnt dog hair near the end of the film. And you scratched it and sniffed it. I did. As if it didn't have a label clearly of what it was going to smell like. Yeah, it was real bad. It was real bad. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if it was burnt dog hair or just bad chemical, but whatever it was, it was not good. But it's weird. So anyways, I kind of want to talk about like, Ross, have you been to a movie party yet? Uh no okay well I mean I guess the room but they didn't uh, they handed out spoons so, oh yeah. but that but that was kind of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we just went to the thing they didn't yeah. have props or anything like no this that. is like a different thing so like before Die Hard right like they brought up one of the stunt guys from Die Hard and he talked about making the movie for Ghostbusters they had the Ghostbusters of the Ozarks there in their bespoke outfits and proton packs and the fucking um, Ecto One out mm-hmm. front like. It's a whole experience. And so anyways, I just kind of wanted to talk about this approach and whether or not you're for it or against it. Was this your first one? Oh, uh, no. Okay. No, I, I've been to other ones. But, okay. Um, I, I like it. I, I'm definitely for it. I mean, I, I think the alternative is like no second run theaters or you know, no chance to see these things on the big screen. Right. And uh, not having a cult experience because you're not niche enough to know who Neil Breen is or something like that. I think, you know, given the choice between the either or there, I think movie party is definitely the way to do it. Oh, 100%. I have a good time going. Um, I do worry that I have been to more movie parties now at the LMO recently than I have new movies. Which makes me a little worried I'm just going to like yeah. sink into my comfort zone and never watch anything new. But that's, you know, the weird cultural FOMO thing we've talked about yeah. and probably specific to being a podcaster because I am probably going to get more out of seeing a new film, especially a bad film, than I am going to be seeing about Ghostbusters the 80 millionth time. Yeah, I hadn't talked about it. Though I do like love that. Ghostbusters. Yeah, and I'm not going to disparage the chance to go see it on the big screen. I am, I'm fascinated by the whole, by the whole event, um, partially because I've been fascinated by the effect it's had on me the two times that I've done it. Um, I, I wouldn't go to theaters because I was so uncomfortable for years. The idea of sitting in a crowd full of strangers who I don't know, can't see, um, in in uncomfortable seats. And I do think the comfortability of seating has mattered for me at the Alamo was Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm just not going to do that even though I love films. Um, and yet here I am like whipping these things around in a theater and like shouting out Ghostbusters lines with complete strangers. And like, I really wonder, uh, is it just because we're all in on the bit, right? Is it like, I've been thinking about this a lot since Ghostbusters in particular. Is it because I know that we're all there and we at least share this one thing? Is that why I feel more comfortable acting a little bit out of convention? Because I know despite all of it, all of us are there for a night to see a nerdy film and do nerdy things together and boo when the EPA guy walks on screen, you know, and cheer and eat a marshmallow when Stay Puft goes down. Mm -hmm. At a minimum, I know that we're all okay acting a little bit like jackasses together for this thing because it's shared jackassery in front of us. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's the bit? I've just been, I've been, I've been struggling with this a lot. I gotta be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know. It could be that. I, I don't know what your particular hang-up... I mean, you've said them before, but I, right. I never understood where the particular hang-up on film came from before. Right. So I can't say why this is dismantling it for you. Um, but that said, I, I, I'm for the movie party. I think it's great. I don't think it's quite 
um, the same as what I would hope for from, say, like um, uh, uh, our independent movie theater in-house is called Moxie uh, in town. Um, or like something you get in St. Louis with the Tivoli showing a Neil Breen film or something like that. Because in addition to that sort of authentically cult experience, like right. you go to the room and then everyone takes plastic spoons out of their pockets and you don't know why because you haven't seen the room before and then you you learn why yeah. through the our, our Rocky Horror Picture Show or something like that might be the more relatable experience. Um, I don't think that's being offered at the Alamo. And I think something that a place that offers that more authentic experience does because uh, I'm not talking about hipster cred, is they offer uh, they also offer some sort of uh, education. Like because while yeah uh, the Alamo is offering movie parties, they are not showing like films you haven't heard of before but are important. Are mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. have any kind of series like that? They're showing things that are already going to be nostalgic touchstones that'll get people to sell tickets, right? Um, which is not something you get at like the Tivoli or, or anything like that. Cause they will show you movies that like you haven't seen before. Right. Um, I remember my dad dragging me up to the high point to watch, uh, Richard Lester's 1973, three Musketeers. And I'm glad he did. Cause it's like one of his favorite movies as a kid. But like now, I, I mean, I just asked for that for my birthday cause it's so fantastic right. and fun to watch. Um, but like largely lost to film history Due to its, you know, financial uh, <laughs> and contractual um, jazz improvisations <laughs> uh, that it did with uh, the way the movie was made, it, it is hard to find prints of, and it's only recently come out in any kind of format where you can get it at home. Hmm. And like that's cool stuff that yeah, you want to see for sure. Uh, but you're not going to get it in an Alamo movie party because it's going to be like you know, legally blonde for the third time that year. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going to be uh, a sort of a touchstone camp classic. Yeah. I'm for them. If you've got an Alamo and the means in in your area, around or near you, I encourage them. Uh, and I say that coming from a place of absolute shock and despair, having heard their description in the initial. So You should also go see them if you're a psychology major, especially the Ghostbusters one, because they give you the marshmallow right as you sit down. Like, yes. You're not supposed to eat it until the Safe Puff Marshmallow Man shows up. And it's basically recreating the marshmallow experiment. That's exactly. You get to watch everyone in the room be like, they gonna be able to hold off, or they gonna eat that marshmallow? Who can't? Puff shows up. Um, yeah. So go. Who's go gonna to be watch. a petulant child? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're gonna grab more beer, and we'll be right back. Spencer, what are you drinking? So this is from the Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. It's the Storm Golden Cream Ale. I wanted to put a little dramatic pause in there because I thought Storm was such a harrowing name for a beer. So I'm now going to drink it. Yeah, that's a weird name for, like, it's an intense name for what is essentially a a alcohol invented for children. A cream ale. <laughs> That is not good. That, that beer does not taste good. The Annihilation Milk Stout. Right. <laughs> I, I don't... The I don't. Thanos favorite. <laughs> yeah, it seems odd. Thanos' brew. Yeah. Mm. It'll kill half your taste buds. I don't... <laughs> I don't think it's a one, but it's definitely a two. Mm. It's definitely mm. a two, and maybe if I keep drinking it, it might move its way why, down. Why is chain. it a two? Um... Look, it's not good. So it's not a, it's not a three or above. So the question is, do I find it offensive? Do I think it tastes bad? No, I just don't like it. I mean, it's a beer and it's light. And 
there's something a little bit in the back there that kind of tastes like what you think beer smells like when you're a kid at a baseball game. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that's there. This is deeply <laughs> introspective and philosophical. So, oh, man. So at least it kind of rings of beer, but like one sometimes are out of category bad. And at least this is like in category meh. So it's a two for me. So if they make a beer tasting AI that's just like they can't get it off of the hard logistics, like describing, you know, just a certain it. number of molecules in it, they just need to like strap it up to your brain. Yeah. Like yeah. going through these like fucking remembrance of things past. <laughs> we taught the AI. Proust reveries. Yeah. Like uh-huh. we taught the AI by running all episodes of the mix six through it. You know okay, man, that's going to be a drunk AI. You know what, guys? <laughs> Fuck you, all right? <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed. I'm honestly in awe. Thank that, you. Yeah. Skynet's kind of an alcoholic, it yeah. turns out. Weird. <laughs> Skynet gets oddly philosophical about beer. <laughs> um, anyways, we're into living with humans. Um, question for you, although something that you and I both deal with, and, and I, I suppose we could both talk about it. Uh, living with humans was your number one vote getter this week, by the way. Uh-uh. And it wasn't close. Like, it was like it was 50% of the votes or some fucked up shit. I mean, it was like Damn. a big number. Anyways... Um, play a lot of video games, uh, and only one TV in the living room because that's how living rooms work. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, and Brandy also likes to watch television, typically bad television, no judgment here. Um, and so like the other day I was playing a video game. I don't, I won't name what video game I was playing for. I don't know. A couple of minutes, what <laughs> 240 of them to be exact ish. <laughs> Um, and Brandy kept talking about, you know, the fact that we only have one television in the living room. And so therefore she was, if she wanted to be in the room, forced to do other things. And it got me thinking about, do you come up with like rules for shared media devices and or spaces to manage this kind of thing? Because it could be a real drain on things. Luckily, Brandy has an iPad and she's more than happy to play like Gonshon Clever or whatever fashion-based game she's playing. But even then it feels like, well, yeah, but we're both agreeing. Gonshon Clever is not a fashion-based game, by the <laughs> it way. Is if not. you buy it expecting it is not. dressing someone up, you will be sorely disappointed. It's just it, it's a game about putting math into colors. That's the whole game. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's addictive. You should absolutely download it. Um do you do you guys in your household do you have like rules or or if not rules like a negotiation pattern around who gets to use what and when? Um I, I think we might have a pattern. We don't have a written rule. I will say that it's better to have a written rule than no rules and resentment. Totally agree. Um so if you need to be explicit about it, be explicit about it. Um I just typically say, Do you want this? I've been playing for a while right. after a while, because I do sort of feel like guilt as a result of that. That said, and I know this comes from a pace of privilege having multiple devices, right. um, so it might not be uh, available to everyone. But I feel like at least with phones nowadays, most people, even on a lower economic stratus, is going to have this sort of double device capability. Um, I don't think it's that much of a deal. So, like, my my really unhelpful advice for this is buy a Switch, because mm. that's what they're there for. Like, yeah. um, But... Um, yeah, iPads, phones, things of that nature. That so it, it often won't be the case because like we'll get home at different times. Right. So like um, she will have been playing for a number of hours, and then she is done, and it's my turn. Or I don't want to play because I just got home from work, so I like haven't checked any of my email right. or any of my social media because I've been on the road for over an hour, and so. I'm not in a space to play anything or yeah. anything like that. 
Um, typically, we try not to play something during a meal. We try and watch something together. It's good. Um, but these are not rules that we've explicitly stated. Um, but after a while, I am. I, I do usually ask, do you want this? Do you want to watch something? And we're at the point where we've been together long enough that she does, we say yes, and yeah. then we go for it. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, I, I think with the destruction of TV at a time and a place, right? Uh, that it becomes a lot easier to negotiate these kinds of I things. I totally agree. I find myself over-asking is one of the things that, like, every five or seven minutes, I feel like I'm like, hey, do you, wanna, do you want to do something on here or watch something? Or do you just want to do something else together that isn't me playing a video game? And for the most part, Brandy says no because she's, like, happy doing whatever. And then she gets annoyed, I think, that I've asked 74 times in the last 10 minutes. But, like, I'm constantly checking to make sure because I'm having a little bit of guilt while I do that kind of stuff. One of the things um, that has helped tremendously, you know, not not to be just a, a total promo segment for the Switch, but, like, the fact that there are games on there that she likes that we can both play. So, like, yeah. we could play Mario together mm. or Mario Kart. We haven't yeah. gotten Donkey Kong yet, but I assume you can, and we probably will. Um, that helps a lot. One of the things that I've noticed us doing is, like, I'll pull a chair up next to wherever she's sitting, and so I'll play a video game loosely based on maybe the antics of a superhero that you may or may not know is currently a member of the Avengers. Um, and, and she will bring up her iPad. She'll put her iPad there and then she and I will kind of like converse about what's happening. So like, she'll pay a little attention to this game that I'm playing, which rhymes with, you know, fighter fan. And I'll pay like a little attention to like Ganshon clever uh, enough that we can have a conversation about at least what is happening when we're not sharing a media space, for example. And that's been very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing I've noticed us do <clears throat> consciously or unconsciously is where we have, when we have chunks of time where we've both done something like that tuned out of the interactive bit and instead are kind of like mutually doing our own things in the same space, we will then immediately look for like, Hey, do you want to play a board game or like do a puzzle? You know what I mean? Like something that is very, the two of us doing something together. And I don't know if that's just like the pendulum swinging the other way on purpose or not, or if I literally just feel like, Hey, I would like to do something together now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it struck me as odd. I also never, this didn't happen as much with other video games like destiny where she just didn't care. So she was happy to be like, I'm going to go in a different room and do shit. Or like, I'm going to go upstairs and like, just do something else. And I, that was cool. But like with Spider-Man, for some reason, I gave it away. Um, (laughs) I have felt the need to be like more communally involved in conversation while playing that game. And I don't know if that's just like a function of time or space or whatever. Um, It might be because there's a social obligation to destiny a lot of the times. Oh, that's definitely part of it that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, you're literally Spider-Man on a microphone. Just, you can just turn it off at literally any second. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I will say this: if if you're having this issue, um, you shouldn't only ever be having this issue. There should be an issue. There should be a time when you want to put the game down and oh, you want yeah. to engage with your significant other. Yeah. And if that's not the case, that's the bigger problem. Right. Um, Ask but, our advice on that. We have great. But, we have great thoughts. But but that said, you should. Um, not feel like you have to be together at every second, every moment, or engaged with each other. Or sometimes it's nice just to be in a room together, especially if you've been together for a while. And, you know, doing your separate things, which is not bad. Like, you don't have to be an old person bitching about millennials on their devices about that crap. Sometimes that's just fine to be in a physical space and reading separate books. And it's no real different uh, in terms of a societal relationship between the two of you if you one person's playing a video game and reading a book, or you're both playing separate yeah. video games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's that. I will say this. If you've offered and then there's a resentment because they said no and it's fine and you continued to be fine, and I, that's on either side of this 
Yeah. That's on the person who didn't communicate. Totally agree. And you need to make that clear. Totally agree. That you're sorry and you don't want to hurt somebody, but ultimately you said this and I went with what you said. Right. Um, So just be clear in your communication. Um, If you think you need to be explicit because it's being a problem at all, be explicit. It's, It's... Nothing can be harmed by it. Um, and uh, otherwise, I think you're just in a, it, there's a lot of stuff that can engage multiple people. Yeah. Um, and make sure that you're, it's not the only thing you do together is separate activities, but um, that is something that you feel okay to do with. Um, and also, this is going to be a bit of a spoilers for the latest Avengers movie. So you might want to skip ahead now. Sometimes she can play Spider Man and I can vacuum, and technically, we're both playing Spider Man. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shut it down. Wow. That well, was I, pretty good. I can't. <laughs> That's the end of that segment. I'm really glad. We'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> Caleb, what is that beer? I could have sworn we've done this already. I but thought we, we had. searched the we searched the list exhaustively, scoured uh, the records, and we had not. So out of Louisville, uh, we're going to talk about the Against the Grain Brewery's 35K Stout Beer. So I'm going to drink it while Caleb tastes that. I'm going to let everyone who's from and/or is familiar with Kentucky know that we, as a unit, do not endorse the pronunciation of Louisville. So I, I understand it's Louisville for all of you. All right there we go. Fine. Anyways, how's your how's your beer from Louisville? It's uh, it's fine. Like three fine. <laughs> it's like it's a three, like my pronunciation of Louisville. I was probably um, a two. <laughs> it's probably a two. I'm are you are you going to disparage a Louisville beer just to? No, I'm going to disparage made? your pronunciation right. of a Louisville beer. Well, but a three is it like a Louisville slugger? Standard standard web shooter. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. It's a stout. It's a little strong at seven percent. There's a little bit of an alcoholic tinge mm, on the back mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. where you want something a little bit creamier in a stout. Yeah. Um. They don't do this. Maybe it might uh, be cut a little bit if it was on some nitrous, perhaps, but um, it is not. Uh, So it's just got a little bit of an alcoholic twinge near the back that that hurts it for me. The stout flavor is fine, other than the fact that the alcohol is a bit strong. Sure. It'd be interesting. So we, it's still three, though. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's been a while since we did an Against the Grain beer. Of course, the most famous of which is probably the Brown Note. And how could it not be? Right. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. It would be... When you made that can and you thought... Right. This is not the single identifying factor of our brewery. Right. You made a mistake if that was your thought, because it is now. I, I'd be interested to go back and see how Against the Grain has done on the course of this podcast, which is something someone could do, because assuredly, I'm not going to. I feel like they haven't done very well, but I could it's, be It's very pretty well. middling, actually. Probably a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take that, and hopefully they will, too. Anyways, we're into Ask Mixed Six and Christopher Keener, who has been very active in the Mixed Six Podcast Fantasy Football League, um, has a rather lengthy question. I'll, I'll, I'll read some of it and then paraphrase the rest. We're throwing a Halloween party for the first time, but we aren't big party goers. What are the things you think make for a successful Halloween party? We've already chosen a theme, heroes and villains, costumes optional. Mistake number one is making costumes optional to a Halloween party. Yeah, get the fuck out. <laughs> Invited people feels <laughs> Fucking casuals. Right, right. <laughs> Invited people via Facebook and IRL. Okay, good. Started thinking about entertainment, food, snacks, and bought lots of beer and liquor. There you go. Here's the part that I don't want to paraphrase. As famous podcast hosts of roughly the same age. Well, I'll be damned. Mm. I do declare. Um, What do you look for in a successful Halloween party, and what advice do you have for throwing 
a good shindig. P.S. Our RSVP is too much to ask for in this day and age because it seems like it. RSVPs are not too much to ask for. If you're hosting it at your home and buying much of this, your stuff, I would in fact encourage you to ask for RSVPs. It's fucking. It's a. It's one button. It's one button on a social media invite. Right. Exactly. How hard, you're you're not making them like sign in calligraphy and send their man over. Like, come on. It's one button. Right. Yeah. Or if you're talking to people in real life, they should have the courtesy. You should have the the, the gumption, and they should have the courtesy to be like, "Hey, you think you're going to be there? Yes or no? Yeah. Like that's and don't deal with maybes. Like a maybe is a no to me. Is a maybe is no when we're talking about RSVPs. I'm going to be wrong ten percent of the time, and I'll eat that ten percent. But ninety percent of the time, a maybe is a no. So definitely ask for RSVPs because you don't want to overbuy, you don't want to underbuy, and and you could run into both situations there. So if you count, get ten maybes, count that as one person. That's exactly right. Yeah. Count your yeses and i'd say like go 10 over your number of yeses seems fair that's going to more than cover your maybes yeah and it's going to cover random plus ones get plus ones rando yeah. randos yeah. can be dangerous uh so that that's fine so um, anyways um what do you look for in a successful halloween party caleb stokes well i'm looking for what i'm looking for at every other party you want areas there you, you go you, and you really want to you really zones you don't want to segment the zones intentionally like and by no means do people want to feel like they're being herded but you want to think like a social animal yeah. and move through your space and be like, where are people going to congregate? Love it. There are chairs here. People are going to go there. Like, they get tired of standing. Can there be something for them to do? Can there be something on the television for them to watch? A particularly engaging piece of music. What kind of music are you doing? Is there a dance floor? Are you those people? We're not, but perhaps there is a place to dance. That's right. Um, is there some sort of drinking game for the people who are seriously getting after it? Is, is there it beer pong? It, Why is, isn't it, it beer pong? <laughs> exactly. There it is. There you go, producer Ross. Uh, good addition. Um, uh, then there is... Um, you know, is there some sort of food area? It doesn't have to be, you don't have to put out a spread necessarily, but like, even if it's just chips, is there some place I can go get food? And it, and while I'm standing, can I talk there? Exactly like, because right. the, the sort of buffet line is going to be your sort of like casual hang area that doesn't like, I'm tired sitting down. Space planning. Yeah, yeah. And so you're sort of, you're giving people um, not so much different activities, though it will end up being that way. You're giving people's, level of engagement and intensity with which to party yeah. like with with the dance floor being at the maximum and then perhaps some sort of game or perhaps something like sort of standing smoozing and then an area sort of like casually go off to the side and things of that nature the yep. porch yeah yeah so right. yeah right smokers is yep. there some place for the smokers to go That's exactly right like so you really you really gotta see the space as a social animal see where the dairy watering holes are going to be and you got to allow for that, yep. like as best you can. Um, I, I would not have it be structured beyond that. I wouldn't have like, well, now we all play pin the tail on the donkey no. or anything like that necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but you you have to know that like this is an area where you can hang out, and once you kind of know where those spaces are going to be, you can sort of casually be like, well, what what I want. If I was hanging out here, that's exactly at right the, at that point. Yep. So a couple things for me. One is, um, and and I don't see it in Chris's list. You gotta you gotta think long and hard about a playlist for these kinds of things. Please don't be that person that just puts on Spotify and it's like, man, eh, they've got a Halloween playlist. Unless we'll, it's a carefully we'll curated it. playlist. But but it needs to be a carefully curated playlist by you is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. You need to take some intention around music at a good party. And here's what I'm talking about. 
you can't start with the crazy stuff, right? There's got to be a build, a crescendo. But you don't want to start with slow, boring stuff either, because then there's no energy in the room. And honestly, when you want the most energy is at the beginning of a party, and then like, I think 60, 60% through 90% of the party. That's where you want your energy bumps. So you start with exciting, fun, dancey stuff while people are getting there, so they know there's energy in the room. It's encouraging them to get some food, to mingle, to drink. They're feeling it. Then the energy can come down a little bit on the playlist because now people are settled into their zones. They've got some conversations happening. Maybe they're playing a game. They've got some rhythm and there's something else providing energy for them at the party, the mingling of people, the social aspect. So your music can can come down a little bit. But then then you're going to need to re-energize the room because those things run out. Those scripts go bad. So now you got to bring the energy back up. So I would think really hard about where you put your music, what kinds of songs you put where, and how long your party's going to go. So If they're not children at this party and you play Monster Mash, ironically or unironically, I'm leaving. Just to be clear, you can't recover Monster Mash. And if there's not a child in the room who's being exposed to it for the first time and told to avoid it, right. if it's not an educational lesson to that child... There's there's no level of traditional Halloween music like the the thing you play outside the house for the trick or treaters to come in. That's not your playlist. No, absolutely not. You are not. Do not just go with the theme of holiday. That's exactly and right. make it your playlist. It needs to be music that people actually want to listen to. If, if you, you can find a Venn diagram in there and sort of Halloweeny, then that's what you go to. But you do not go into the all Halloween circle. No, absolutely not. Because that's going to be repugnant. Yeah. If if you feel compelled to play Monster Mash, don't. Instead, play roughly the same amount of time of Werewolf Bar Mitzvah from 30 Rock. And it will <laughs> achieve many of the similar results. Yes. So curate your playlist. Go ahead, so, producer Russell. Uh, Vapor Trap, uh, maybe a little Mall Soft and Future Funk. Curate your playlist. And then, <laughs> and then also, here's something else I want to encourage you to explore, Chris. Depth of theme. So you've picked a theme, Heroes and Villains, which is great. Love it. Costume's optional. Not crazy about that, but okay. I'm not always a costume wearer unless it's expected. And I think at a Halloween party, hmm, it's an expectation, but okay. But don't stop at just Heroes and Villains for costumes. How can you theme the names of your food? Are there themed things you can hang around the home? When I walk into the bathroom to relieve myself, will the toilet have a sign on it that says something heroes and villains related? Had I understood the importance of themed foods in college, I might have been Van Wilder. I might have not never I might have never left. I could have been the most popular man. I always thought that was the one thing you were missing to be Van Wilder. Just themes. Okay, so themed foods. All right. I know this seems utterly ridiculous. And it could be themed food out of bags. With all you do is put a dumb label yeah, on it. Put a sticky right. note on it. So the the food line is where most of the conversation happens, and it leads to the stand around talking line. At least the conversation between strangers. Yes, definitely the conversation between strangers. Here's what your dumb themed food pun does. You are the lame pickup line That's to right. get those people talking. You broke the ice. No one is being the lame dude is like, hey, how about this party or nice cat ears, which like could be good natured, could be creepy, and right. no one wants to roll the dice on that. Definitely. You know what's not creepy? You're your dumb Halloween pun about like fucking snickerdoodles or something. Exactly right. Th- that's it. Wants nothing Spider from you. Snickerdoodles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It expects nothing of you, and and people can be like, huh, "That's dumb." And now they're talking, and that's what you need. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So depth of theme is very important. And then the last thing I want to say here, and this relates to Caleb's zone planning note, you got to manage groups. So you know you need to think critically before people show up. 
what groups are naturally going to clump together, right? So like at my birthday party, I knew the people that I worked with were going to kind of clump up at some point, right? And I knew that the nerds were going to clump up at some point, right? And what? Then, Us? Yeah. No. And then I knew that the randos social butterflies. that didn't fit either of that, those categories were going to kind of like float back and forth. You, you have to manage those groups, and you I don't think that you should evaluate the success or failure of your party on how well you integrated those groups. Because sometimes I get stuck on, is everyone having fun and is everyone talking? And that may not be the measure of a successful party. Instead, me showing up and getting to have the time I wanted with my friends is a really successful party. And that might mean that I don't talk to another group of people who are in the same room as me for four hours. That is okay. And you've got to be okay managing that tension a little bit or managing that relationship. Don't force things together. Don't make things uncomfortable or awkward for people. Yeah, do Let, not feel the need to curate right, social groups. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's okay if people clump up. That's kind of the nature of all of this. Because you know what's going to do that? Either the theme, and if that's not enough, it's going to be the games. That's exactly right. I would suggest games if you can get them at all. Sure. Maybe they're not alcoholic if you don't drink a whole lot, but right. have something going on that facilitates that structured conversation of a game. Yeah. It could be hyper competitive like our beer pong games. Right. It could be just, you know, a game of channel A or God forbid Cars Against Humanity there if, it is. if you're those people. Don't force um, people to participate. Don't force them to participate. But that sort of structured conversation is if you need something to stir the pot and break up the clicks, that's what should do it. Because it it's organic. It's yep. not you being like, Hey, you have to go talk over here now. No right. one wants to feel like you're being managed at a debutante ball. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. You you are not a chaperone pushing me towards the other side of the room at a at a seventh grade mixer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're cool here. Um, hey Chris, good luck with your party. So sorry we can't be there, but as I understand it, you live many states away, and I am not I'm still waiting for, for my invite. Uh, you know, one idea if you for a theme for food is Spider Man upgrades. Uh, Ooh, know. yeah. Ooh, let me talk to you about the web bomb. Yeah, Chris. exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we're gonna grab more beer. We'll be right back. What you drinking from Louisville there? Also out of Louisville. Mm. Um, th- not crazy about the name of this beer. This is Goodwood's Hemp Goza. Um, now, the good news is... It's a Goza aged on hemp. Right. Th- what? That's it. Kentucky-grown hemp, though. <laughs> so I love beer to taste like rope. <laughs> Delicious rope. Sour rope. <laughs> like, I, I could... Mm. That's tie actually, a knot with it. That's oh. very good. Really? That's let, me get, good. let me get in there. That's let me good. get in there. <laughs> that's very good. Um, oh, fucking plantation owners now. I like oh, that. Oh, that sweet rope flavor. Yeah. It really comes through. I think that's probably a four for me. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. I think that's an yeah. electric web. Yeah. Good I on. was expecting that one to be really bad. Right. I was too. At a four. Yeah. And named Goodwood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I just... Right? Yeah. That's mm. a good beer. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, well... Good wood on them. Um, hey, we're into We Make a Pair, which was like up there. I think it was tied for second vote. And frankly, we just hadn't done it in a while. And so I was kind yeah. of excited by the idea. And we're in the baseball playoffs. We're in the ALCS, the NLCS. These are the championship series to determine who will play in the World Series. And it got me thinking, all right, so let's assume your team is in the World Series. I would, of course, claim the Kansas City Royals. I assume that the St. Louis Cardinals will probably win in your household. There's it, a, there's going to be a lot of role-playing yeah. going on in my version of this list, because yeah. I'm having to imagine a character right. that would actually watch the World Series yeah. and care about sure. a team. Totally fair. So, yeah. Totally fair. 
Uh, and you know by one reason or the other, or it just ends up that way, it's going to game seven. So you got seven games of World Series baseball. What beer are you drinking with each game? You want to start? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. So my initial <laughs> thought here... My initial thought here was bush light, right? Keep it light. You got seven games. You're in it for the long haul. And then I got to thinking like, well, yeah, but your team is in the World Series. You know, I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago. To oh, see you want the champagne of beers. You, well, you want something champagne-esque, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you do want to celebrate the fact that you are where you are. And so my thinking was like, start strong. The Prairie Christmas Bomb. You're not going to drink a ton of them. I mean, you certainly could. You shouldn't. What time of year does this take place? Uh, the fall classic. It starts in early November. Oh, okay. It might be Late up. October, yeah, early November. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and really, any variants of the bomb are probably okay here. I just happen yeah. to like the Christmas bomb mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Prairie's Christmas bomb, it's like 9 or 10%, so you're not going to drink a bunch of them. Uh, it's very of the season. It might be even a little more Christmassy, but I like the clove. I like what they do with some of the cinnamon, etc. Uh, and... It's a big guy, right? And I think you want a celebratory big guy beer to open up the World Series. Mm-hmm. What you do in the middle there, I think, is where you really you're in for the long haul and you're trying to both enjoy and maintain. I think you want to start big with Prairie's Christmas Bomb. All right. You're cool. Um, so, again, a lot of role playing here. Right. In this universe, I care about baseball. Um, perhaps Old Bush Stadium's still up. Cell phones are like slightly larger and look older, but they can do more things. It's very alt history going on um anyway uh the uh cardinals which is my team that i love are playing the cleveland indians Mm. uh and so out of out of hometown love which i'm full of in this alter version of myself obviously i am gonna drink a uh a bush light hey but they're gonna lose they're gonna lose the first game in the series the cardinals lost they get beaten by the indians um so i i feel as if just going with what worked during the regular season right. at this point isn't going to work. Got to change your track. At first point, you know, sure. I, I wanted to stick with what had worked through the regular season. Right. So I tried to push light, but it didn't work. They lost the first game. I like this. I yeah. like where this is going. Okay. So second game for me now, right? We're through the first one. Maybe you win, maybe you lose. I don't know. But you know either way, you've got at least three games left. Mm-hmm. Got to switch it up. You can't go all heavy all the time. You'll kill yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you want to drink something lighter. But I'm a Royals fan, so I'm rooting for Kansas City, and I want I want something that I can sit at a bar and drink a lot of while I'm watching the game. It's an oldie buddy goodie. I'm going Boulevard Wheat. Mm. I can drink I don't know a pitcher or more of them, and they've got the lemon. It's light. I don't feel gross afterwards, and I'm supporting Kansas City, so I'm kind of pulling a two for one here. Um, I don't really have a win-loss record in mind at this point, but assume we're 1-1 and somewhere in there it worked for me and somewhere in there it didn't work for me. Okay? What about for you? Uh, All right. So uh, next game, I want to up my game. So I think it's maybe because I don't like it enough. So maybe I didn't like the beer enough, so I wasn't adamant enough. So I'm going to switch to an old favorite. So I switched to Mother's Three Blind Lies. Not Blind Lies. Blind Mice. Three Blind Mice, which is a very good game. Nice brown. Um up to my game, but it's it's not enough. It's not enough. They still lose that second game. Wow, own two. So now I'm gonna have to go to a specialty store. That's not even like the nice beer at the grocery store. I'm gonna have to go to a specifically bespoke right. alcohol you place. Go find a beer. Get get my favorite, basically. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like what you're doing here. You're adding layers of complexity and identity. Yeah. To supercharge the universe. And I think I'm a little silly for this as it happens, but the thing is, they lost the game with three unforced errors. Oh, wow. In the outfield. Oh, my God. 
and the sort of three three numerology. I'm getting a little superstitious because yeah. in this in this world, I'm a sports fan, and that naturally happens. Right. So yeah. So now we're into game three, and we're tied one one, and I'm excited. And now I'm like, we can fucking do this. Let's take a lead, you know. Let's maybe like start to swing the bat back for for home field advantage or something. I don't know. Um, I'm just really enthused at this point. So what's something that I want to drink a lot of and I can drink a lot of because of its ABV? Prairie's Blueberry Boyfriend. Now I'm looking for something that I just want to consume Mm -hmm. at length. Um, I want to sit through a three or four hour baseball game, depending on commercials, maybe even extra innings. Yeah. I want to drink the whole time and I want to take a two to one lead now on the national league representative team. And I'm going to do that by willing them to win through the consumption of Prairie's blue Prairie's blueberry boyfriend. What's next on your list? All right. So next on my list, this, this fits perfectly. Prairie artisan ales, blueberry boyfriend, Hey-o. one of my favorite beers. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. They lose. I thought I had it this time. They lose three in a row. But the reason they lose is interesting because in the after game commentary, it turns out that Adam Rainwright had a secret boyfriend who asphyxiated, turned blue. That's why he threw the roost game in his life. It also turns out that uh, that Ozuna, uh, Bader, both having difficulty seeing. And they were the ones who did the three unforced errors. So... I'm starting to get sort of this idea that, like many sports fans, I have the power of voodoo. And by doing things in my home, I can sort of affect events in the real world. So the the sort of strange asphyxiation of Adam Wainwright's secret boyfriend and the uh, slowly onset blindness of the outfield um, has led me to believe that I, I am actually causing these losses no, through, my, through my, you know— right uncareful beer choices right. and that I need to really think about going into game four, our last opportunity, yeah. what I drink while I watch it. The good news is, though, you have some control over this now. I, yeah, I, I always did. Right. And now I'm just oh, realizing yeah. it through this sort of comedy of uh, arcane errors. So in game four, the Royals are two and one. And I'm at a point now where it's like, look, if we lost, would it be good? No, obviously don't want to lose. But it's also like, yeah, we could afford a loss. And then it's a three game run. To the World Series. And it's like, if you can't win two out of those three, yeah, you probably shouldn't win the World Series. So I'm pretty casual right now, feeling pretty light about the whole thing. It'd be great if they won. I'd certainly like to drink a little bit while it happened. Worst case scenario, though, it was just an okay game. Maybe it didn't go my way and I had a good time. Oldie but a goodie, the Mickler Raspberry, which is not something we've had in a long while. Mm-hmm, those mm-hmm, Mickler 16 mm-hmm. ounce cans with like the really beautiful prints on the outside. That raspberry, you can drink all day. So my thinking here is, you know what, regardless of what happens, and obviously I'd hope they win, but we don't, we're two and two after this, um, I had a really good time drinking uh, like probably two of those, maybe a third, depending on whether or not it's a close game at the end, and and this is important, I'm not hung over the next morning to go into work and talk about why they lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I can go be active mentally uh, because I didn't drink anything that was too stout. So game four for you. All right, so game four. Going to go down the legend. Tied up until the eighth. Bottom of the eighth. The Indians uh, get a two-run lead. Then it starts to rain. Just really come down. They're going to rain delay it. But the Indians, they want to put this to bed. They insist we keep playing. The Cardinals say yes. Then the Cardinals, as a result of the Indians bringing this up, grand slam. Managed to take it up. They win in the ninth as it just comes pouring down. But what I've done, and and this is to my terror, I'm not happy they've won of stayed in the series because I'm drinking Ballast Point's victory at sea, and I'm starting to realize that I have sort of power 
uh, that the craft beer I drink is a prayer I send up to the heavens Uh that alters world events. Um, and uh, Wainwright's uh, boyfriend has still not died after weeks of being asphyxiated. Oh, he is slowly swelling. Uh, Ozuna is, you know, getting hairier. He's mm-hmm. uh, Bader keeps on asking for cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's all sorts of things happening now that have led me to believe that I, I can't I can't deny what's happening anymore. The, the, really, a Willy Wonka like approach to this whole thing you've taken that that I like a lot. I got to be honest. Look, if you ask your average sports fan about their random superstitions and traditions that they evolve in the sports game. Myself included. This is the logical supposition. Not so anything. I assume this is what you all believe will you're, happen. You're just you more of a Tales from the Crypt kind of thing. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you've, you've run it out in a weird way, but I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So game five. Now we're into the thick of it. Honestly, I'm mad that we haven't won. We're like in just the fucking slog of the World Series. Mm-hmm. You just got to put your boots on and go to work. This is where you drink the bush light. You're not walking away with the World Series tonight. You're tied 2-2. There's no grand outcome here. There is just, I need to grin and bear through what is hopefully a 3-2 lead, probably going to somewhere else to round out this fucking game. Um, and so you drink Bush Light. Unfortunately, we do not win. We're now down 2-3. and three. Game 5 for mm. you. So we win Game 5. Uh, the Cardinals win because I'm drinking Rough Tails, Little Blue Pills, but in Sharpie marker, I've written on the can of anabolic steroids. Mm. So they just mm. start bashing it out of the park. It's just insane. Everyone is looking swole. Even the half-mice hybrids are mice. looking like biker mice from Mars, just jacked. Um, and yeah, so they're just on even more steroids. Yeah. Just an unreasonable amount. But they don't really have a choice because I drank a beer called Little Blue Pills right. of anabolic steroids. So. You did this. Yeah. Okay, game six. This is a big one. If you lose, you're done. So here you're making a decision about what to drink, knowing that you're either going to be drinking to victory, which is you you live to fight another day, or or this is it. This has got to be something that you enjoyed drinking because you're not going to get the joy of victory. Mm-hmm. Schlafly pumpkin ale. Um, the net effect here is either way you're going to drink too much of it, either because you're excited because <laughs> you're about to go to a yep. game seven. Yeah, you're going to have a bad day the next That's day. That's exactly right. And it's okay. You can have a bad day the next day because your team just forced a game seven mm-hmm. or your team just lost the World Series and you're going to have a bad day the next day anyways. So you might as well be fucking hung, hung over because there are very few hangovers that are worse than a Schlafly pumpkin ale hangover. They will shut you down. Yeah, but the good bad. news, you won mm-hmm. and now you're on to game seven. Yep. Okay. What's, what about for you? So um, I'm starting to become mad with power. I want to see how much free will I can negate through drinking craft beer. So I drink uh, Elevator Brewing Company's Bleeding Buckeye Red Ale, causing a bench-clearing yeah. fight in the fifth that just really fucks up the Cleveland Indians. They just Cleveland is looking bad after it, mainly because the Cardinals are all now steroidal half-animal hybrids. Uh, and it's getting it's getting rough. Um, I realize now by causing this that uh, I am a beer wizard ascending into godhood. Right. It's not about the game anymore. It's it's about my uh, raw arcane power and ability to affect the world with just my will. Yeah. yeah. At this point, you're just exercising what the universe has given you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm into game seven. Uh, my team is about to either win or lose a World Series. I have watched my team lose a World Series in Game 7. It is crushing. Mm-hmm. I've also seen my team win a World Series, although in Game 5. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to hope it goes well, and I'm going to drink MILF by Mothers. Specifically, I'm going to drink four of them. Because... You're, oh, man. 
Because whatever happens the next day... If you lose, you're not going to remember it. That's exactly right. And if you win, you're also not going to remember that's it. That's exactly right. Because you're going to be in pain. I have evidence for this, though. If you remember correctly, during the Chiefs wildcard game against the Houston Texans in 2016, I drank a four-pack uh, four of MILF while the Chiefs routed the Texans 30 to nothing. And then I passed out on my floor while we were still watching football. And I cannot think of a happier however long I was awake enough to figure out what I was doing of my life than watching one of my teams win a meaningful sports game after drinking four MILFs by mothers. Man, son, you think a Schlafly hangover. Oh, it was bad. the worst. Yeah, it was a the MILF worst hang- next I've, day. I wanted to run into traffic. Yeah, it was horrible. It was the absolute worst. Yeah. Uh, so the next beer I drank uh, to end the game. So I'm a little afraid. Sarah's asking what's wrong with me right. in this universe. We're still together, but I'm just a really big baseball fan. And uh, you know, I'm I'm buying all sorts of beer, just an insane amount of beer based solely on the name because I and I realize I've sort of lost my humanity. So, uh, in order to to bring it back to level, uh, I'm going to drink a Baharmari uh Bahar, Baharmari, is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Baharmari. Brewing company, The Good Fight Sour Pale Ale. I'm going to let them figure it out themselves. I'm going to take my hand off the wheel of fate. I like it. And let's see that. And the Cardinals pull it out. They wow. pull it out at the end, much like angels in the outfield. Right. The angels cease interfering after basically invalidating the results of all games that season because they'd already interfered greatly right. and, and overcome the lack of athleticism from yeah. the the angels like in rookie of the year where his arm isn't broken. Anymore, yeah. Yeah. And right? I, I, I feel like it's sort of necessary to pull out at that point. And uh, and and not not continue forward. I really like that you built up all of this power only to let the universe do its thing beyond you. Well, th- here's the thing: they win anyway. I realize that I never cared if they win anymore because nothing tastes the same with mm-hmm. power anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I drink a uh, a coupe ale F5 IPA, and the reign of the beer king begins. My reign of terror in the plains. I rise ascendant. The beer wizard now becomes uh, the head of the United States and basically the world because I can control reality through craft beer. Yeah. Um, but this is a Tales from the Crypt episode. So <laughs> right. uh, in your hubris, uh, one of your vassals betrays you uh, years from now by uh, giving you a death beer from Backlash Beers. Oh, wow. yeah. 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 That's entirely possible. Uh, yeah. And we end on the Crypt Keeper. Oh, Caleb, he loved baseball. Well, that's that's why you should not give men tool yeah. of the gods, obviously, but which I've is really like, the lesson I take from all but baseball. But I've got a pun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got a pun? I'm I sorry. do. It's I a Crip Keeper thing. All right, go for the Crip Keeper. Uh, yeah, go back. Caleb was a baseball fan. Too bad it drove him batty. Oh, nice. Uh, and then the boot, and then he, when he realized his <laughs> drinking powers uh, just made him into a ghost. All that booze. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Spitzer look so angry and disappointed. <laughs> Have you watched Dance uh, with the Crib? This was a great segment. <laughs> we're, we're it done. needs some it needs some polish in the writing room. But I have a deep I, yeah. A I think we've I think we've established here that I have a deep understanding of sport. Yeah. You do. I that you just Googled three Cardinals players, and I appreciate you for doing that. <laughs> I mentioned four Cardinals. Oh, yeah. excuse me. Adam Wainwright has a boyfriend that is a blueberry. <sighs> Which is established. We, but he we, turned out okay. We need to get to drunk enough. <laughs> we'll be right back. Caleb, what's that last beer today? I'm going to drink Rheingeist's Since He Made Squirrel Nut Brown Ale. Really great can. 
mm-hmm. name of the beer aside, which is mm, at best. Yeah, it's got a really classic modernist kind it of does. design. It does, yeah. I really like the colors. Yeah. I like the logo. I really like the font. Ooh. Deep thought. He looks He looks a little like, I'm disappointed in you, son. <laughs> I'm not. It doesn't. It's a little light and effervescent for for a brown especially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and, but that doesn't really do anything for or against it oh like okay. it's sort of violating the right. expectation of a brown but you don't like it but less. in I, I it's just still pretty meh yeah, like yeah, yeah. so that's a three for me yeah so all in all like a meh day but for that five that java stout i tried at the beginning yeah that was pretty good okay actually this goodwood was a four if i remember correctly yeah goodwood yeah so yeah Rope beer i'll take it anyways we're into drunk like enough a whole Nice curve. We really ran the, no twos, yeah. right? It, it is my you gave one two? Did I? Yeah. Mother, did we get everything? Yeah, we ran. A, we did a rainbow. I'd be curious to know if we've done that in an episode before. Hmm. I would have well, to think. It's, is it? If only someone had been keeping track. This no, I know that would have been very useful. <laughs> Anyways, we're into drunk enough. Uh, you proposed this. So I'm going to let you jump in there. Uh, so here's my drunk enough. Yep. Um, I am as swamped as I've ever been. It's uh, crazy right now between. My day job and freelancing and playtesting stuff for freelancing and social obligations and this and other podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Finishing party file production um, stuff. Yes, that is. It is taking up all of my time, uh, every single second of it, um, and every second I don't spend on it, I am coming to regret. Like, oh god, what did I sleep? Like, um, which is not a great place to be. Um, and I've been here before, mm-hmm. and what I fe- found is that things don't typically get better. Like, once you reach a level of busy, they don't typically uh, break in any meaningful way, I've discovered, um, or at least for any meaningful amount of time. Um, and so I, I imagine it's going to get better at some point, but I don't think it's going to be to the degree where I start, you know, developing new hobbies, mm-hmm. you know, because. You know, I do very much believe in the weatherman thesis. If you've seen that Nick Cage classic, uh, is that life is very much about is about winnowing down options, um, and and focusing and specializing more and more. Um, so here's the thing: is there any benefit? And I, I said this specific to my, you know, right. unique psychology, but it may be for everyone. Is I there think it extrapolates well? Is there any benefit to cutting something out of your schedule actively? Yes, like actively no longer doing something versus letting it fade naturally because you just never find a time for it anymore. Yep. So so the thing I was thinking about here was like, um, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be able to start video gaming again on right. anything in the foreseeable future Yeah. because I am so harrowed by my schedule right now. Right. Would I be better off saying, well, I'm just done playing video games now and I'm in my 30s, so I had a good run um, and writing it off as a possibility? Or would I be better staying as a person who's just can't make it this week and struggling with the attendant FOMO and the friend guilt, but like sort of keeping this hope alive? I think there's I think there's an important middle ground here. I, I think it's okay to say like so like for example, Jeb texted me today about Destiny, and he said like, hey, next week there's like five different Destiny events that all sound really cool. Um, uh, Iron Banner's back, and then the Festival of the Lost for Halloween, which is a cool event, and like three or four other things. And I just said to Jeb, yeah, I'm pretty busy right now and Spider-Man, so I'm probably not going to play Destiny for a while. And But I probably will go back to Destiny at some point. But because I said I'm not going to play Destiny for a little while, I think I've taken away some of the guilt, the lingering like, well, hey, were you going to jump in? Or, hey, like I was going to wait for you and now you violated an expectation in the moment. 
I think the middle ground between what you're talking about is taking intentional breaks from things, not writing it off like you're obviously going to play. Sabbatical. Yeah, sabbatical. You're obviously going to play more, vi- more video games at some point. So you're going to say, I'm never playing a video game again. But you could say, like, I don't have time for video games right now, and I don't know that I will until, like, next year. But maybe next year, as a when I get a break, I'll wind back into something. But I think what it does is it means that, like, if I were playing Destiny, I would at least know that, like, yeah, I can't. I'm not going to expect you to jump on. I'm not going to tailor my Destiny schedule to you maybe mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. on. So you've, I think, cut the risk of like the friend guilt tie. And I think for your purposes, what you've done is you've diminished the risk of this thing we talk about all the time, which is like, what do I do with my free time? You know what I mean? Like you said, I'm not playing video games until I'm past at least this benchmark, time-based or progress-based or whatever. So now let's say you get a moment, right? Something opens up on a Sunday afternoon that you didn't expect. Now you're not like, well, what am I going to do with a free time? Am I going to play a video game? No, you've already, you've already cut that out of your life. So if you do go play a video game, you're violating your own expectation. You just want a bonus that you didn't know you were going to have. And so it's like an added benefit. You, you get to play the video game, and it's a new thing that you didn't expect. So I'm for, Ross is right, the sabbatical method around these things. I think it is head and shoulders healthier than letting all of these things potentially hang in the air and hope that you can find enough time or energy or bandwidth to brush up against one of them enough to make you feel like you fulfilled a commitment to other person or other thing or time or the universe or whatever. I mean, okay, I get that. But like you, you talk about that sort of like, okay, you make an objective statement sabbatical wise. I will not be doing this for the foreseeable future. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's sort of the alternative to that would be like, well, I just can't make it today, but you know, you're probably not going to make it tomorrow or the right. day after that. Right. And you imagine that doing that not only uh, relieves the friend of the attendant, like, well, I should care about what so-and-so does, uh, but it also relieves you of the sort of expectation of participating in that thing that you used to participate in right. and stressing you out. All right. So if that degree happens for the sabbatical, which can be a variable length, right? does that not increase in value if the sabbatical goes on forever well it could i mean i think at that point right it depends on i think there's a real risk that you take a sabbatical from a thing long enough um that at some point you just don't like you fall out of love with the thing or you realize that you weren't enjoying the thing or that you don't need the thing because of whatever you're doing in your life right now and i think that's okay i mean i've done this before like when when i was unemployed for a long stretch i stopped getting comics which is not something i'd ever done since i was four right I, i always maintained my pull list it was like a staple of my week um but since i've made enough money that i could go back i i really just read graphic novels i don't collect comics anymore and i do miss it sometimes but it's also like an errand i don't have to run every week right exactly it's a thing i don't have to be disappointed with if there's nothing good on my list it's it's something i've, I've realized I've, i don't need yeah um and while i don't think i need to cut it away out of some sort of like spartan aesthetic need to get rid of something or no, something else yeah. um i also know that there's you know there's other things that you know I'd be better off had i just admitted it so for instance uh i think about gym memberships like yeah how many people would be better off cutting off their gym memberships they're paying for and not using? Like, oh, and I'm right. not saying they're better off not. So you act- want gyms as a business model to go away? No, I want <laughs> gyms that people attend as a business model to work. Whereas the gyms as a model right now is people paying for it that don't attend it. Like, I mean, that's the business model. Yeah, I know. But what, are you saying those people would not be better saying? Because they're not exercising yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. No. So you might as well like. Would they not be at least financially better saying right? 
Well, I'm just don't exercise. I yeah, don't yeah. have time for it. And, and without the attendant guilt of I'm paying for a thing I'm not using, the unfulfilled no. expectation. And, and furthermore, like if you have like anxiety, if you have you know uh, issues regarding you know anxiety and stuff like I do, anxiety is not always rational. So like eliminating things as a this is non-debatable can actually be helpful because that thing can be a ridiculous thing to feel sort of guilt and FOMO right. about. Like, yeah. man, I don't play enough video games on it, which is like a dumb privileged idiotic thing that like feel like is a problem but anxiety as a result of being you know right. totally irrational is not going to care about that it is still going to make you feel as like man i don't get together with the guys for D enough right. anymore and like here's the thing like if i am not going to get together with the guys for D or playing our you know our playing video games or doing something like that if i'm not gonna be able to do it on a regular basis am i better off saying wipe your hands of it like psychologically, maybe because maybe. because practically, if I have to be honest and say that it's not going to happen schedule wise, yeah, would it not be better psychologically just to like make it as a taboo? I, I think, I'm not quitting RPPR is what I was saying, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm using it as weird. an example. Like, yeah, I, it, it could be right. I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with your premise. I think what I'm arguing for is a step in between where you're ending up and where you're starting, which is kind of a wait and see period, right? So, like, here's my example. Um. At some point, I took a sabbatical from playing Magic the Gathering because of the cost, because, frankly, it had become a stressor for me, and it shouldn't, And but, you know, the, these things happen, so whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm just not going to play Magic for a while, and we'll see what happens. Like, I'm going to spend that time doing other stuff. And then I never came back to Magic the Gathering, right? And that was 2012, 2011 probably was the last time I played a meaningful Magic the Gathering game. And sometimes, like, Bill or Dan will be like, hey, do you want to play Magic? And, like, honestly, it sounds like a lot of fun. Like, yes, I do want to play Magic. Um, but I don't want to get back into Magic, and that's very important to me because I took a wait-and-see approach. I stepped away from it for a while. And while I was away from it, I realized I was generally happier. I was functionally a millionaire as compared to <laughs> what it was like to be playing Magic the Gathering regularly. Um, and and I was happier kind of like as a person. So I just never went back to Magic the Gathering. Alternatively, I have taken substantial video game breaks. Like, I am not going to play a video game until this thing is finished. Um, I, You know, I kind of went through a point in my dissertation where it was like, I played a lot of Destiny while I was getting that thing up and coming. And then there was a period like, after chapter three got approved, it was like, I'm not fucking touching anything until I get through chapter five. Uh, so I took a sabbatical, but then I came back because after taking a break from it, finding a little time, I, I realized that I'd missed the thing that I wanted to make some investment or some commitments to other people and the social aspect of the game or in the rating aspect of the game. And so I think things may end up where you think things may end up, but I think there's a wait and see sabbatical period that's worth implementing. If you I, end up there anyways, you end up there anyways. I, I know, and I, I am talking about a sort of a, but like, this is sort of a ridiculous, like, I don't have enough time because of my job for my hobbies kind of thing. But like, I do wonder if like, the main reason I see this and other people that don't have like 18 jobs and stuff is like, they have kids. And like, right. I wonder like, if there's not some benefit to that person be like, I want to talk to you. You're my friend. We're going to hang out. Poker night's not going to happen. Right. Like, this right. thing isn't going anywhere for 20 plus years. Like, we're, we're not going to happen. Do not like stringing you along and saying like maybe I can make it this week, even though I have an entire you know defenseless life on my hands to take care of. Like maybe that's not good for you. Maybe that's not good for me to think of myself as like 
poker guy who has a kid rather than like I'm dad now. You know what I mean? Sure. Or, or sure. I'm I'm mom now, like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I do often wonder if there's not like some psychological benefit to drawing a hard line and being like, you know what? That's not I don't go there anymore. And like maybe I need to like that just is a reality that I need to accept. And the sooner I accept it, the better off I am. And maybe we should just make it a clean break rather than a yeah. maybe one day I just, or I don't like that. I, I, I think I don't. I don't think it's a thing to like. That's what I'm saying. I'm wondering about like what is healthier. Or not. Well, there's other options to consider too, which is also thinking about planning your future projects too, uh, and like being being more willing to say no to uh, future obligations and yeah. saying like after this point I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. You know, like, right. Um, I'm for me like I'm going to like finish uh, my Red Markets project and then I'm going to just like not look for freelance work anymore and probably say no if other people ask for it until i finish rowan yeah so uh as an example um yeah because see where i get stuck on it too to ross's point is a little bit like what i also don't want to do is i don't want to put myself in a position where let's say in six months things look radically different for me for one reason or the other and a great video game comes out spider-man 2 um (laughs) i don't want i don't want to then have to reconcile the cognitive dissonance of well, I said I was never going to play video games again, but now I want to play a video game. So now am I violating some convention or standard I've developed for myself when, if I never would have made the hard and fast rule in the first place, I've given myself the option on the other end to mm. come back swinging, see, pun intended. See, for me, I find the the psychological distress of breaking a taboo far less. I mean, I, it depends on the taboo. I'm not like resorting to cannibalism, but I find the, I find the uh, like breaking a sort of self-discipline thing stress far less like severe to me than the sort of nebulous i still do this but how long ago did i last do this you know what i mean yeah the 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 sort of like i exercise but i haven't exercised in six months like sort of thinking of yourself as that identitarian and then like having that stark reality of a thing you don't do right like confronting you that stresses me out way more than like I'm a fatty who don't run, but I ran yesterday. Like that feels better to me than like sort of like this yeah. identity bringing on. Like I'd rather break the taboo and the seal and go back to it, which is fine and organic, but like I think psychologically more healthy than thinking of myself as like, oh yeah, I do that all the time when I haven't done that in like a year. Like yeah, you know I what mean, I mean? Yeah, I d- there's definitely something to. I mean, if you can't be honest with yourself, then maybe you know the the best solution is to be brutally honest with yourself. I, I'm with you on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I hear what you're saying. That last explanation makes some sense to me. The the lingering, the like, will that the the Ross and Rachel of the decisions that you might make to you know in terms of your identity, your hobbies is like kind of interesting and definitely stressful. So I'm with you on that a little bit more than I kind of thought I would be. That being said, if you quit playing video games, what 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 are we going to do? Like, is one of the things I need. So just don't do that. But that's the thing. Pick something I, else. I already have. Like, we don't play, like, we play Spider-Man now, right? But I'm about to beat Spider-Man. And I don't think I'm ever actually going to beat Spider-Man. Because <laughs> I, I am hundreds of thousands of word behind on very important writing contracts. Yeah. And I have hundreds and hundreds of papers to grade and a very demanding job. And here's the thing, like, I don't know when I'm going to get back to Destiny. Like, right. I didn't even play the thing. So, like, yeah. functionally, haven't I already had to quit? And like, what is the? But those books are going to be finished. 
eventually but yeah. like yeah what it, and if it comes up to it and like we come up to it that's fine but like of what point is you like waiting for me to hop on destiny helpful for you or helpful for me it won't be because you've told me you're not going to there's the there's the there's the openness and honesty about the sabbatical yeah exactly but yeah that's that's what i'm wondering about like what in the pretending is there any value no no yeah. no value in the pretending yeah. absolutely not uh, at least not in the in the window where you know you're not touching the thing anyways yeah. that's an interesting question i'd be curious um, if anybody <clears throat> listening has just flat cut things out, and I'm not talking like I'd also be curious if you had something, uh, yeah, if you had something far more significant than our dumbass obsession with PS4 video games, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is the lamest possible thing I could think of to bring up this topic. It but. is comfortably not the lamest thing we've talked about. Like, <laughs> like, it probably doesn't even crack the top hundred. If yeah, we're being totally I mean, uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, hey, if you've been listening to this, it means that you've supported us in even some small way, and we cannot thank you enough for that. We appreciate your time, your energy, your investment, and your resources, whatever those may be. Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up and for being a part of this. If you're not following us on Twitter, check us out at The Mixed Six. You can also find us on Facebook. We've got a page and a group. We're The Mixed Six Podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Type in The Mixed Six Podcast, and you'll find images, illustrations, videos of us doing weird things. You can also go to our website, www.themixedsix.com, and if you're so inclined inclined to send us things in the old mail you can at the mixed six 2131 west republic road number 101 springfield missouri area code 65 sorry zip code 65807 thanks so much for all of your time this is spencer this is caleb and we'll see you next time